So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. This podcast is made possible by the generous support of Recorded Future. Recorded Future are a real-time threat intel firm whose machine learning technology analyzes the open and dark web to give you great insight into emerging threats. Sign up for their Cyber Daily newsletter and get their latest insights at recordedfuture.com slash intel. Smashing Security, Episode 17. Data Breaches, Zero Day Exploits, and Toenail Clippings, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello and welcome to Smashing Security, Episode 17 for the 20th of April 2017. And... Uh, great to have everybody here. I'm joined as always by Carol Terrio. Hello, Carol. Hello, Graham. And we've also got our good chum from Sophos, Paul Duckling, joining us as our special guest today. Hi, Duck. How are you doing? I am doing superbly, thank you. <laughs> Duck is almost a regular. I am, and I've I, I I won't say I've dined out on Graham's joke about tweeting ducks, <laughs> but it has come up. <laughs> Well, I won't say it's come up often, it ha- or even that it's come up twice, but it did come up once, and the person who brought it up thought it was quite amusing. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm very happy for that off the last So there's one person other than ourselves who listens to the podcast. That's yes. fantastic. And not wow. me, not me myself. <laughs> it wasn't like self-tweeting duck. We've succeeded, guys. We're there. We've made it. That's fantastic. Well, as always, we're going to, looking back over the last seven days, some of the things which have been going on in the world of computer security, some of the stories you may have missed, and some of the things which have caught our eye and, and just generally been interesting to us. And I'm going to kick off today because I'm going to talk to you about hotel hacking. Now, chaps, oh. how would you feel? How would you feel if a company has an advisory for you. And they begin the advisory saying, we value the relationship we have with our guests and we understand the importance of protecting payment card data. I'd say they missed out the bit that says comma, but only now. What a pity we didn't do it last week, last month, last year. <laughs> Um, but they never put that bit in. I can't think why. No, they don't. And quite often they don't include words like sorry or apologise or anything like that as well, which they, <laughs> their legal team think may get them into a spot of bother. No. So the latest company to come out with that statement is the Intercontinental Hotel Group, also known as IHG. Okay. And um, they've advised that malware has been found at 11, well, over 1,100. I, I've 
I've gone to their website. It's interesting, actually. If you go to their website to try and find out which hotels have been hacked, they don't tell you, first of all, how many hotels have been hacked. They, they don't include a number. You actually have to go through this process. You go to a form on their website. You choose what state in America you want to look at, what town, etc. And eventually, you get the list. So you have to go in. Remember, every state that you visited, every hotel you may have gone to. Now, I was able to go into the source code of the web page, and I worked out that there's at least... 1,174 hotels who've been caught stealing. Uh, well, they weren't stealing, but yeah. the malware on their computers was stealing guests' payment card details as people checked in to the front desk. Okay, back up. So 1,100 hotels have been caught yes, more than, having, yes. having malware on their system. That's right. This is like you know, what from a couple of few years ago, Target all over again, isn't it? Yeah. Where you've got a payment terminal, the crooks get malware on there. If you're using an old school sort of terminal where the credit card numbers just wind up plain text in memory, the malware can just snoop through memory every time anything changes, grab the credit card number, exfiltrate it. And because the US doesn't widely use chip and pin, it's kind of all over bar the shouting when that happens, isn't it? It is. And the Pain, of course, is, yeah, as we've seen time and time again at different hotel chains, they've been breached by this kind of RAM scraping malware, which grabs your payment card details, steals the credit card number, the cardholder's name, the expiration date, the internal verification code. All of that's been read from the magnetic strip held on the computer. And if the right security isn't in place on those devices, then the criminals are having an absolute payday, aren't they? Oh. Yes, my understanding is that the, the old school payment terminals, US style payment terminals, this is not true for chip and pin, it works rather differently, which is why it's harder for the crooks to do any kind of RAM scraping, is that in order to make the payment devices, the credit card devices, compatible with the widest number of possible computers and other devices, mm. they basically pretend to be keyboards. So literally, if you plug one of them into your computer and open Notepad <laughs> and swipe your credit card, then in Notepad appears all the, the magstripe, all the track data. Unencrypted. It's, in. it's a simple unencrypted. Yeah. So that's what gets shoved into memory. And un, unless and until the software's grabbed hold of it right. and you know done whatever processing is necessary, <laughs> it's there where malware can find it in memory if it knows roughly where to look. And of course, finding that, you know, grepping or looking for that magstripe pattern is actually pretty straightforward because mm. even if it's in a huge lump of memory, the pattern of the data is kind of easy to recognize yes. if you think what credit card numbers look like and then the spaces and then the name. And, you know, it's pretty easy to recognize that you've hit pay dirt. But this sounds like a huge deal. And I'm looking on their website now. So IHG.com, yeah. there's nothing mentioning it on the website that I can well, see. Well, th there is an advisory buried down on the site, and we'll include a link in the show notes as well. But one thing which, of course, worries me is that Intercontinental Hotel Group have, have released this statement, warning. In fact, they originally warned back in February that 12 hotel locations have been affected. It's now gone up to over 1,100 locations. So it could go further. It, so it could, it could go, go further yeah. because yeah. what they've said is that they basically operate a franchise operation, right? Intercontinental is a brand which covers many other uh, hotel chains. So you may not have gone to an Intercontinental hotel, but you may have gone to a Hyatt or a Holiday oh, Inn or a wow. Crown Plaza or et cetera, et cetera. Because so, they own everything. Well, they, they own around about 
12 different brands. Um, okay. So across the United States and Puerto Rico, they've been affected. Um, and so you have to work out, did I go to one of these hotels in this particular state during this time period? It looks like they've identified between the end of September last year and the end of December, they had malware on the systems. They only found out about it. It's a it good in- job that Christmas isn't a big holiday season, really, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> okay, but I am sure, I am sure that I have stayed at one of these hotels in the States during that time period. So what do I do now? Well, what you need to do is you need to keep a close eye on your uh, payment uh, transactions. And if there's anything unusual there, of course, it may happen sometime in the future. You know, this data could be swilling around in underground channels for some time to come. Now, Intercontinental, they say that they've informed uh, the, the payment card operators. They're also working with law enforcement as well. And since last September, they've been introducing more and more point-to-point encryption solutions. So they have been rolling out technology to make it much harder, as Duck was just describing how easy it is to steal this information. They have, as a result of the number of hacks which have been happening at hotels across the industry, introducing better technology to prevent oh. this from succeeding. I'm not, sorry, that's not, not enough. Not, that's not enough. Well, what can you do, Carol? Can you, can you create a time machine? I mean, you know, I agree. <laughs> it's, 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 it is rather disappointing, but it's happened, right? What? So at least they're doing something now. I agree it should have happened earlier. But the difficulty for IHD, Intercontinental Hotel Group, a lot of these hotels are run as franchise operations. And my understanding is that some of the hotel branches have not actually allowed IHG to scan their systems to find out if the malware is there. So that number of 1174 may not be the end of it. We've gone from 12 to 1174 plus. It may be larger and worse than that. And maybe it's outside the United States as well. And that's where I think we can take action as well. Because I'm, I mean, I travel around a bit and I stay in hotels and I'm beginning to think this has happened at so many different hotels, so many different branches over the last few years. Should it, Would it be wiser to start paying in cash? Should we be paying with cards which have a very low sort of payment limit? So if the details are lost, you know, we can sort of scrub that card. I, most, most, most hotels will not let you stay without a credit card anyway. Yeah, I've tried to. I've tried to pay in cash. Yeah. Once I'd left my credit card at home, uh, when um, and I was, uh, I don't know, somewhere in Australia, and I just went yeah. to check in, and they said, "Oh, it's no problem. You can, you know, uh, you because it was all prepaid." Yes, and I, they said, "But we'll need a deposit." And oh, I said, well, yeah. you know, like in case I throw the television out of the window." I was on about the fortieth floor. That would have probably almost been worth it. <laughs> Killed someone. And, uh, they and when I got up there, that the, it was an LCD TV that was like bolted to the wall, so I couldn't even have done that. Oh, how disappointing! And they said, "Oh, it's no problem. You'll just need a deposit. Uh, we'd like five hundred dollars if you don't mind." What? And, yeah, because they're figuring the like problem. in your credit card, yeah. if you run out with the lounge furniture and you drain the whole mini bar and you set fire to the washing machine and who doesn't want those chintz curtains <laughs> they can sort of try and bill you for the whole amount so you can sort of see it from their point of view but it, good luck staying in a hotel in a chain hotel without a credit card because it's you know it's the convenience for you it also is that kind of that safety and and security of your life i've for sometimes been asked for a sort of token deposit of just a you know a few pounds or something like that five hundred dollars where are you staying did, did you make the mistake <laughs> duck of actually mentioning throwing the television out of the window is that is that when they went oh okay yeah 
yeah, for you, $500. No, I, no, I may have mentioned that later, but uh, <laughs> no, they just said, look, that's the way it is. And I think then they came down a bit and then fortunately a colleague showed up right. and said, oh, you can whack it on my card. It's no right. problem. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, but, I, but I, you know, the point is, the point is most hotels want credit card details and um, it's very upsetting that we have really no advice for users other than oh well if you did stay in a hotel during that time yeah. watch your watch well i also think maybe you could get your credit card canceled and get a new get a new number if you want well. i guess that depends on your on your card provider because mm. obviously they'll go well unless unless there's a really good chance i mean i got carded once when i was traveling in the states right i uh, don't think it was at a hotel i think someone i i always would you know i had a chip and pin card but of course in the u.s they swipe it always made a point of taking it to the place where they pay and not doing the american thing of handing over your card and the waiter wanders yeah. off with it but mm. of course they always have to turn they always turn around and swipe it on something under the counter so you can't see whether it's being swiped once or twice and in fact uh the the my bank realized before i did I got back to Oz and they, they called me up and it's very good. They called me up and said, uh, we're investigating a fraud, right. um, which we think may have happened on your card. We're not going to give you any details about what to do. We want you to go and get your card and phone the number on that card to get back to us. So they didn't. So they were they were doing the whole anti phishing thing as well. It was great. Well, that's very right. good. Yeah, and and yep. so I went and got my card and I phoned the the one eight hundred number on it and I got through and I said hello. I've received a call. Apparently, you'll suspect fraud on my card. And you know they said, well, you you've just been in the U.S., haven't you? And I said yes. And they said, did you take a driving test in the United Kingdom? <laughs> uh, at the same time and i said well actually it's not possible i'm not legally possible for me to take a uk driving test because i already have a uk driving license so that'll be a no so sometimes the you know the, the payment card people they're pretty good at this these days they may actually notice that something untoward has happened but as yeah. graham said you know you, this data could be sloshing around for ages if your card's expiring reasonably soon, then, of course, you'll get a new number when the new card comes, and that kind of partly makes the problem go away. Um, and I guess the reason why they, they haven't, why Graham had to go in and figure out how many hotels were involved and why, you know, to be fair to IHG, they're not saying it's exactly this, ho this list of hotels now yes. signed and sealed is that list could change. Yeah. Some will be added, and some may be on the list, like they found the malware there, but it turns out that the malware wasn't able to grab the credit card data at that hotel. They may have others where the malware wouldn't have worked if it had been there and wasn't. You know, there's all sorts of That's combinations, true. aren't yeah. there? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a fluid list, isn't it? And, of course, they also want to avoid the headline keep on coming out of, oh, the number's gone up again, you know, which is obviously going to be bad news for them. Well, we don't even know how many users are impacted, right? I'm surprised they can't tell us how many, how many different well, cards. I mean... They don't want to tell us. Well, you have to know when the malware started. Yes. And when it was removed, yeah. don't you? And then you'd have to know how, how whether it whether it worked with this particular payment machine. And sometimes yeah. a payment machine will break, and maybe you unplug one and you plug in another, or you, you you've got two check-in desks with different machines, and uh, the malware works on one and not on the other. Golly, it can be tough. I don't care. They could give us millions affected or versus hundred thousand affected. Take a guess. How many people stay at 1,100 hotels with an average size of, say, 200 rooms in a two-month period? Yeah. Assuming 90% occupancy. <laughs>
<laughs> They're doing good business. It's as easy as that, but yeah. I was hoping I could figure it out in my head while I was doing that and sound really informed. Three months, I think. But yes, I mean... Three, sorry, yeah. But yeah, And, and the, the timeline does change. If you go to the website, different hotels do have different dates where they believe that this was occurring, but it was largely so between the end of yeah. September and the end of December um, when it was occurring. And... I was impressed with Duck's story there of when when uh, there was believed to be some fraud on his card that they contacted him and said, look, mm. we're not going to talk about this. Call the number on the back of your card. That's, I thought yeah. that was great advice. It's like they're contacting you, but they're, they're teaching you not to believe what they tell you yes. and reminding you that it's actually fairly easy to go and find like a website or a phone number or contact details, which is probably one of the strongest anti-phishing tips you can get, yeah. really. And in this particular case, it was those firms again who've come to the rescue. It was the card providers for the hotels that alerted the hotel that there was a problem. And it seems to me like, you know, that there is this worrying lack of internal threat detection. You know, it isn't the hotels noticing that something is awry with their systems. It's the people ultimately who are losing the cash who are going, whoa. They call it CPP, common point of purchase. Right. Yeah. They're going, hey, there's, you know, we're we're having fraud reported by people who've noticed, say 1% of people notice within the first week because they're they're right on their statements. And then they notice that of the people who've reported it, a higher than average proportion have this commonality that they all shopped at this brand or they all stayed at that hotel or they all bought petrol at this kind of filling station. And from that, they can... They can kind of zoom in. Stay home, folks. Well, yeah, stay, stay home, home or I, I expect you will... Get a f- tent. You, yeah, I was about to say, yes, get a tent. Or you know, otherwise, just feel you will feel that uncomfortable buttock clenching as you hand your credit card over at, at the hotel desk um, about what may be about to happen. Hmm, not quite sure I've gone there. <laughs> Duck, save me from this. What have you got? I was interested, uh, but not perhaps for the reasons that you might think, about two recent exposures of exploits. There was the uh, the, the, the recently patched Microsoft Word Zero Day, the mm. one where you pretend to send an RTF file, but the web server says, actually, it's an HTA file, and so it bypasses Word's protection. Uh, the the jauntily named CVE-2017-0199 and the Easter announcement by the the, uh, the the shadow brokers that most listeners will probably have heard of saying, hey, we're dumping a whole load of zero days in, in Microsoft yep. Windows. And what was interesting to me is that I, I have read a couple of responses to in both those cases of people going wow this is this probably isn't really much of a hassle for consumers and end users because automatic updates will save them you know that the, the word oday was patched really really quickly and the shadow broker stuff it's likely they only dumped that stuff because they realized oh darn all the odays are useless now because microsoft patched them a couple of months ago so let's put <laughs> the cat among the pigeons yeah and you know people saying well so End users will be fine because they'll already be up to date. They're unlikely to be two months out of date. But it's businesses. Wow, you know, a lot of companies still they still like to think about patches for a couple of months, test them. Yeah, and thinking, yeah. wow, haven't we long passed that line where you're actually saving your business more harm by delaying the patch mm. than than just doing it right away? And if there's a problem, well, then have a system that lets you roll back. 
you know. Oh, people are really nervous, though, about putting stuff on live systems. You know, I mean, if a system, a live, big live system for a big company goes down, it can have huge impact, you know, on revenues, everything. But you do see that, well, we're not going yeah. to roll it out at all. And you imagine, yeah, well, yeah. you know, if you surely for yeah. 80% of your users, maybe you have two or three hours where they can't use Microsoft Word. Is that likely to be a greater risk to your business, given that there's probably a workaround and that it probably won't be catastrophic? Is that actually worse for your business than being the low-hanging fruit that the crooks are now looking for because they know they're on borrowed time? Yeah. And they know about the exploit because it's all revealed. Yes, and this this exploit wasn't just being used in targeted attacks, was it? I mean, we were seeing examples where malware was being spammed out, pretending to come from your company's printer, for instance, yeah. you know, claiming, oh, we've we've done the scan. You know, a yeah. fairly ordinary disguise, which we see time and time again. But it was using this fairly new, it'd been around for a few months, fairly new vulnerability and exploit um, in order to infect people's computers. Wasn't just being used in targeted attacks. So there were many business users who could have been put at risk. I'm surprised that people still have so much anxiety about the risk of patching compared to the risk of not patching. I know that sometimes problems can happen, but certainly in my life on Mac and Windows and on my phone, I've got a, a Windows phone and an iPhone, I, for about the last three years, I just decided, right, I'm going to live my life that as soon as I know a patch is available, the instant I know, like the, within seconds of getting Apple's email, I'll be the first guy to go and get it. And I pride myself on getting it within minutes. And I've never had any trouble doing that. Now, I know yeah. that, that, you know, I'm, that I'm looking after my own computer and I'm not part of some kind of giant IT regimen like you get at some companies. Yeah. Um, but... I've always felt much safer as a result, and I've never had anything but really tiny problems where once or twice I've done a big Mac, mm -hmm. like a major league Mac, yeah. not a point upgrade on my Mac, uh, upgrade on my Mac, and I found some ancient software I've been using no longer works properly because it wasn't designed for the latest version. And then when I look at it, I think, you know, I should probably go and throw that software away and find something new because that hasn't had a patch for seven years. You know, who am I kidding by saying the patch broke my system? It didn't. Uh, it actually was the impetus for me to go and bring myself more up to date. Okay, so I think the advice from us three, all together now, one, two, three, the word beginning with P is patch. 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 <laughs> patch early, patch often. You yep. know it makes sense. Fantastic. Carol, tell us what's been tickling you this week. So this happened last week. We all know Alexa, right? This is, well, Google also have an Alexa. Um, it's called Google Home. And it's that always listening, ready to give you snippets of information if you say, okay, Google, right? Um, now, do you have one of these, any of you? An Alexa or a Google in your house? <laughs> yes, oh yes. I want some surveillance device running 100% of the time in my house, listening and reacting to what I say. <laughs> I think that's a brilliant idea. I'd love it to be, yes, I'd love it to be run as well by some large, some one of the world's largest advertising companies. Yes, what a terrific idea. Let's have and that And the nice thing about this surveillance, instead of waiting for, <laughs> for you know, the, the intelligence services to sneak into my flat and put it there, I'm going to buy it and take it home and turn it on and pay for the electricity to run it and the network bandwidth that makes it work. I think that's the best idea in the world. 
Well, we I could just have a wish big... it had video. <laughs> it will. We... It will. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. That's well, it it kind of does already. You guys are actually have you you know all your tablets and your phones you were talking about earlier basically have similar features to this. But there is one feature of the Google Home and Alexa that your phones don't have, and that's right. that it it's not voice specific in terms of when it reacts. Um, so that means anyone so can, can say, okay, Google. as well, right? <laughs> yeah, no, but say your friend comes over, say I went over to your house and you had a Google Home device. I could say, okay, Google, uh, tell me about Paul Ducklin. And it could go to the Wikipedia page and tell me everything about you, because I'm sure you have your own page that you keep up to date, and right, I can Duck? Go, okay, Google, <laughs> format Carol's hard drive. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> like, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> okay, well, let me tell you what can go wrong. So, um... Whopper makers Burger King um, are kind of known for their creative ads, right? And um, they really? the last yeah, they are. They have had quite a few creative okay. ads in the past. Yeah. Um, now, last week they put out this ad that was only fifteen seconds long, mm. and the concept was that the, the guy on screen who was behind a you know big Burger King desk thing or whatever counter um, was saying, "I obviously can't tell you all the wonderful ingredients that are in the Whopper." And he says, "Okay, Google, what is the Whopper burger?" Tell you what, Crow, stop right there. Let's we'll listen to that ad right now. Perfect. You're watching a fifteen-second Burger King ad, which is unfortunately not enough time to explain all the fresh ingredients in the Whopper sandwich. But I got an idea. Okay, Google, what is the Whopper burger? Okay, so now what happens is that Google Home device, if you have one in your house, is activated by the ad's okay Google statement, right? Kind of, and then it starts describing whatever is on Wikipedia, because that's how Google Home works. So kind of cool, although, you know, we know, we know from uh, old Amazon Alexa times, you know, when someone actually ordered a, what was it, dollhouses. Yeah. That was what we talked about. Yeah, we know this is going to be very annoying. But I don't know, from an ad perspective, I think it's kind of interesting, right? It's 15 seconds and you actually then get the continuation of the ad happening thanks to Google. Now... Of course, Wikipedia, as we know, is editable by everybody. Yes, isn't that may it? have been a little bit of a blunder to rely on the Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you if you're going to if you're going to have a surprise ending, then exactly. at least have one of three that you can choose from. That's do, my do advice. You think, do you think this? I mean, I, I, I'm going to hear in a minute from Carol as to what people actually put on the Wikipedia. I'm guessing that's what happened, right? People edited the yes. Wikipedia. So we're they fine. edited we're f- the ingredients of the burger. So, but do you think? I mean, you, shock us in a minute as to what they said. Do you think uh, this is Burger King? Do you think Burger King knew that people would do uh, that, and maybe they would get more coverage as a result? Well, that's the thing, because Burger King have had quite a few kind of interesting avant-garde Addy styles before. So I think they did know. Mm. I'm going to, I mean, I have no proof of this, right? This is just a gut feeling. But I think they did know because, look, their social conversation has gone up 300% according to the register, right? With people putting in words, I'm going to do it now. Are you ready? These are the kind of things people put in. 100% medium-sized child. Rat and toenail clippings. What's right? a rat clipping? I know what toenail clippings are. What's a rat clipping? That's a really. Never heard of that. I probably wouldn't eat one knowingly. According to Wikipedia, the Whopper is a burger consisting of a flame-grilled patty made with 100% medium-sized child with no preservatives or fillers, topped with sliced tomatoes, onions, lettuce, cyanide, pickles, ketchup, and mayonnaise, served on a sesame seed bun. So, yeah. So, is, anyway, is this so, an improvement upon the regular Burger King recipe? <laughs> Nothing wrong well, with I'm the Whopper. Not- 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not some. I don't eat. I've, I've eaten whoppers. I haven't eaten whoppers in years. You so just eat no them idea. once in a while, and they all they don't do you no harm, man. That's my theory. <laughs> now, what I missed in this is that everyone is so predictable. Oh yes, they contain you know, and then yeah, rude words and stuff. I would have changed the wiki well no it wouldn't i mean one might have changed the wikipedia article <laughs> so that the first thing it said was okay smart tv <laughs> and then you set google or okay or uh, get google home to call on the alexa and alexa to call on the oh. smart tv and get what i believe in the old days uh, uh of malware was called an nth complexity infinite binary loop <laughs> you remember those that would be great <laughs> And it would oh. certainly focus the mind on whether you really want these auto-stimulatable surveillance devices <sighs> in your own home at your own expense. Yeah. That's my theory. I mean, I think people have these for, you know, the whole convenience purpose. I mean, that's the only reason I can think that they think this is worthwhile, to be able to go, oh, okay, Google, what's the weather? Okay, Alexa, put toilet paper on my shopping list. So what did Google think about this ad then? Do we know? Were they impressed? Google were not very happy that obviously, you know, their pages are being used in this way. So they don't really want, from what I've read and the articles I've seen, Google are not really happy with the whole ad industry taking advantage of their toys. Because Google's in this Google way. don't do a lot of ads, do they? <laughs> <laughs> it's not, not really a thing for them. Um, much. You know, and I, the other thing, the other thing that they noticed was that the person at Burger King had actually gone into the Wikipedia page before the ad <laughs> went live to change the list of ingredients to be much more enticing more succulent than and previously. Yeah, and more succulent and fresh and exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so, um, so yeah, so they were, they were slapped on the wrist for that. And I think it's a good warning to companies out there to make sure, you know, that you shouldn't be shamelessly promoting anything on your Wikipedia page. I guess that that's what this reminds us, that when you have something anyone can edit, anyone can edit it, who would have thought? And when you have something that can recognise any voice, then it may take commands from someone you did not expect. Exactly. And the thing that's interesting, Graham, I mean, OK, you may say this is successful because we're all talking about it, but I forevermore now will think of a whopper with rat and toenail clippings, <laughs> right? That, that's how successful they have been at this marketing campaign. That's true. That, that, is now, that is now cemented in my brain. The rat's one thing, but the toenail clippings <laughs> do turn the stomach somewhat, don't they? <laughs> Golly I me. don't know if you've seen a rat's toenails. I don't they know. They are quite grubby, aren't they? I'm just thinking like Tinia City. Oh, dear. Okay, listen, guys, I've just got one message for listeners at home. I hope they're not listening on their earphones, but they're playing this through their speakers. Okay, Google, subscribe to Smashing Security. That is just so gross. Yeah, and you now you're going to have to put in the explanation about how it doesn't have a G and all that, right? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a it test. It does. Of... The, pod, the podcast has a G. Oh. It's the Twitter account. Isn't it funny that we Couldn't all can understand right. that and make that leap of faith, but I don't think that these surveillance devices are quite at that level of voice recognition yet. Well, folks, that just about wraps it up for this week. Thank you, Carol. Thank you, Duck, for joining us mm. once again. Appreciate having you here. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can leave reviews if you like. We're also on Overcast and TuneIn, Stitcher and Google Play Music. And you can even play us through your Amazon Echo. I know some people do that. Be very careful with it. Thanks That's for tuning in. That's very convincing, Gray. <laughs> hey, all Echo owners, wouldn't you love to listen to our podcast? You silly people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe they'll maybe they'll sponsor us one day. 
Amazon. We don't want to slag them off too much, do we? It might be quite nice to have one just to play around with, to mess around with. Yeah, because then if you forget something, it can tell you what you said. And a big shout out to Recorded Future, our sponsors this week. You can sign up to their Cyber Daily newsletter and get their latest insights at recordedfuture.com slash intel. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends and let us know what you think. You can go to our website at www.smashingsecurity.com and you'll find an email contact form and a link to our Twitter as well. And uh, until next time, toodaloo. Yeah, stay safe out there, guys. 